Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. What's going on, everyone? Jurassic Views, Bryce Diamond, post-Game 1 Eastern Conference Finals, Miami versus the Boston Celtics in the Boston Garden. And just a classic Game 1. Home team hosting, more talented team in the Boston Celtics. And yet, a veteran team who provides different matchups and looks than the previous opponent that the Celtics had in the Philadelphia 76ers. Probably a little bit of fatigue, which we've seen a number of times in playoffs when the home team or a team goes seven, And then they have to prepare themselves quite quickly against a different opponent can be caught off guard. And tonight was just, there were a lot of, I wouldn't say concerning things, but I would say there were a lot of lapses from the Boston Celtics. I I think some of that's fatigue. I think some of that is... Um, overconfidence. Some of that is who's leading your locker room. A young coach. Al Horford, I think, is older than Joe Missoula. So this this was a, a situation where Boston was kind of ripe to be to be picked. They were right for for a surprise and upset. I'm not going to start, you know, talking in any kind of way that this series is over, that the Boston Celtics cannot win four games against the Miami Heat. No, I'm not going to. This is about game one. Straight facts about game one. But I also want to point out that, as others have as well, Miami and Boston have played three of the last four years in the conference finals. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo have been part of those three teams. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Al Horford have all been part of those teams. But there's some adjustments that were made from Miami, I would say, more than the Boston Celtics. And when you think about when Boston struggled this regular season, when they struggled last year in the playoffs to Miami, to Golden State, when were those moments? Who were those teams? Why did they struggle? 
Well, they really had a difficult time in clutch minutes, under five minutes with the score five or under. They also had a very tricky time with teams who had three, four, five guards who could shoot, but more importantly, who could defend, had quickness of feet, quickness of hands, knew where to be. Golden State did this to them last year. Miami did it to them last year. And here we are in crunch time minutes, clutch moments, and what is happening. Tatum, a 6'9 wing, is having to make quicker decisions against more guards who are just better defenders. Remember in the first round, they went up against Atlanta. Atlanta has some quick guards and did give them some problems on the offensive end. They were a little bit exposed by DeJounte Murray and Trey Young on the offensive side because they don't have multiple guys who are quick defensively. And so Trey Young, DeJounte Murray were able to take advantage of some of the matchups. Obviously, Marcus Smart is a world-class defender. Jalen Brown's a better wing defender than he is a guard defender. You know, he, he, he kind of defensively is more of a small forward type. I know we want to talk about positionless basketball a lot, but in half-court sets, in clutch moments, when the crunch time is on, when that clock is ticking, and that those pressure points, uh, you know, are, are, are being pressed into. Jalen Brown gets exposed a bit defensively. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown on the offensive end. They're more like small forwards. They don't have an exceptional handle. What did they talk about last year against Miami, against the Warriors? Prone to turnovers. What's another thing that the Miami Heat have? Similar to the Golden State Warriors, they have a center who's undersized, but is an elite athlete, has great vision, and on the offensive hand, uh, of the uh, uh, the offensive side of the ball, can play make, and has vision. Bam Adebayo and Draymond Green provide stuff both on the offensive end and defensive end that frustrate the Boston Celtics. Listen, Peyton Pritchard was called upon in this game. I'm not sure that was the best decision, but the reason why Peyton Pritchard played is because of how many guards this Miami Heat team have. Did Peyton Pritchard play more than five minutes against Philly? I mean, I didn't pay a ton of attention to the first half, but I watched four second halves of that Philly Celtic series. I never saw Peyton Pritchard, unless it was garbage time. Tonight, Marcus Smart was off. I mean, you can see it from only having seven field goals attempted. You can see it in going five for eight from the free throw line. Jalen Brown was off. Yes, he, he shot 21 times. He was one of six from downtown. He only shot two free throws. 
Jason Tatum was Jason Tatum. 11 for 11 from the line, 17 field goals, attempted 30 points. Overall, pretty solid and efficient numbers. Where you saw a bit of a struggle from Jason Tatum, he only shot three three pointers. As a team, the Boston Celtics shot 29 three pointers. Why is that when they usually shoot somewhere around 43 pointers? It's because the speed of the guards and the amount of guards that Miami shows to them and Bam Adebayo's ability to rim protect, but also frustrate a guy like Al Horford, frustrate a guy even like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He's got speed to be able to frustrate them and certainly get them off the line. And tonight, you also saw Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, to me, not guards, neither one of them. They had 10 turnovers combined, four for Tatum, six for Jalen Brown. Now, again, are the Miami Heat going to do this to the Boston Celtics four times? I don't know. They've done it once. It's possible. I think it's still very difficult. I thought this series would be done in five or six. But when you see Miami play Boston and you see the same kind of patterns that happened last year in a surprising series that it went seven to some degree, when you had guys like Tyler Hero injured, Kyle Lowry was not in his full self, um, you know, Victor Oladipo was out there and, and definitely wasn't as sharp as he's been in years past. You felt like, yeah, it's a little strange. But they also had P.J. Tucker on that team who helped them defensively. They don't have him this year, but they do have Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, who are that much longer in the tooth, wiser in how they play. You have Kevin Love who does something that P.J. Tucker really doesn't, and he proved that with Philadelphia. He proved that with Milwaukee, Houston, and Miami last year. He's a liability offensively a lot of times. Kevin Love isn't. Kevin Love is a great passer. He's a solid rebounder, and although he doesn't have quick feet, he can drill shots for you. He was three for four, eight points on the game, two of three from downtown. That's all you need him to do. That's gravy stuff that they didn't get out of Tucker last year. This Miami team also has something that Philly didn't have, and, and certainly Atlanta, that wasn't a deep team, um, didn't have. And that's a physical superstar who can play make at three levels and score at three levels. As good as Trey Young is, he's very inconsistent as a, as a shot maker in the paint uh, and in the mid-range when he's got good defenders. Now, Jimmy Butler a lot of times doesn't make his threes. Tonight he was two of four. 
and he's been shooting over 40% for the playoffs. Jimmy Butler will also get to the line like Trey Young, but I think he's actually a better playmaker once he hits the paint than Trey because he's got more size. He's got more elevation. Jimmy Butler tonight, and as I talked about on the playoff power rankings for the players, Jimmy Butler was 12 of 25 from the field, 2 of 4 from downtown, 9 of 10. Three turnovers. 35 points. He just did everything a little better than Tatum. But here's the other thing that this team got tonight. Again, from their guards. 4 of 6 from Gabe Vincent. 3 of 5 from downtown, 15 points. 6 of 10 from Max Struess. 3 of 5 from downtown, 15 points. 6 of 11 from Caleb Martin. 3 of 7 from downtown, including two fourth quarter threes that were massive, 15 points. And Kyle Lowry, 6 of 12, 3 of 5 for downtown, 15 points. Four guys all hitting three three-pointers, combined for over 50% from the field and over 50% from downtown. They turned over the ball, a combined, all four of them combined, turned over the ball two times. Tatum and Brown turned it over 10 times. When you've got guards who are your ball handlers, who are your playmakers, who are your shooters, who are playing in clutch moments, have four combined turnovers. And Tatum and Brown on the other side who are having to catch the ball, having to move the ball, having to have the ball in their hands a lot, and they're turning it over 10 times, including twice in the final two minutes by Jason Tatum on travels because the, all the pressure of those quick guards, their you know, quick hands and feet, it's amazing. It's amazing the difference. And tonight Miami was just better. Now, again, I don't expect Miami to win game two. I don't expect Miami to be able to go up 3-1 by getting two in Miami. I expect the Boston Celtics will find a way to get this to a sixth or seventh game and they will put this away. I believe that because of talent and I believe that because not only have they been to three of the last four conference finals, Not only did they go to the finals last year, but I believe that they have the the best player and the best duo. I do believe that Tatum is just a little bit better, and he's better than he was last year, but I think he's a little bit better than, than Jimmy Butler. I think he was fatigued. I think they got up at the half and felt like they, you know, could cruise, and they got absolutely caught with their pants down in the third quarter. 
and and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown forgot to move the ball well, forgot to be aggressive in the right areas. And Joe Missoula didn't necessarily have uh, either the experience or the strength and decision-making, which comes with experience, to be able to make some critical plays. Um, I also felt the role players struggled quite a bit. Al Horford, three of eight, one for five from downtown. Robert Williams isn't going to give you much. Um, Malcolm Brogdon really gave a punch off the bench, but Derek White virtually gave you nothing in the second half. Peyton Pritchard was called upon, as I said. He, he played 12 minutes. He had no points. Luckily, he didn't turn the ball over. A big shift in the second half where there was major momentum was in the offensive rebounding department. In the first half, Boston had six offensive rebounds that led to 10 points from those six offensive rebounds. That's major. Also the turnovers. They only had four turnovers in the first half. They turned it over 11 times in the second half. You just can't have that. And Miami, of course, got a big third quarter. Max Struess was excellent. Kyle Lowry turned back the hands of time, as we've talked about a lot in these playoffs with different players. But Boston just did not, you know, get focused, geared up, turned up quick enough in that third quarter. And they got caught. They got caught looking ahead. They got caught feeling good about themselves. And they probably got caught being a little fatigued, almost like a back-to-back. Their legs were just a little bit tired, and they didn't use their minds, and they weren't prepared well enough as a team. Probably a bit of the coach, but probably also a lot of the players. Um, I think there are some things that we're going to see if they're patterns. And if they become patterns for the Boston Celtics, like these turnovers down the stretch, uh, like, you know, kind of half-ass starts to the first quarters, especially at home, um, I think then those patterns become concerning. But at this point, I think this is an underdog team who had a little more rest, who is, although underdog, very veteran. Very wise and savvy, you know, very uh, battle tested. And, and they got the best of a Boston Celtics team. Didn't get phased, played together, know and believe that they have an incredible player, probably the third best player in these playoffs, just as he was last year. And arguably the second best player in this playoff and last playoff in Jimmy Butler. But, but I think Boston will respond. And I think this is going to become a really intriguing series. I've said this to other folks. I'll say it here now. I believe this is Boston's Boston Celtics uh, series to win. And I think it's their series to lose. And tonight I think they lost this game. Big credit to Miami. 
they really came up strong, came up big, played as a team, got everything out of Jimmy they needed. I don't think they can shoot the ball as well as they did in the first game. And I'm not sure if Jimmy Butler is going to have as big a game in game two. So I do believe, predict that it will be 1-1. But it is a warning sign. It is a warning shot. And when that warning shot goes up, or when that flare is sent up, it's a signal for you to make adjustments, to respond, to have a sense of urgency, right? If the Boston Celtics don't have a sense of urgency at any point in this series, the game is in jeopardy, the series is in jeopardy. We're not there yet, but tonight you saw a team without a sense of urgency. You saw a team that was not prepared and focused the way they needed to be. They did not, you know, start with their front foot forward and leaning in. I mean, if you want to see, you know, if the Boston Celtics want to review some film and they want to take a, 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 a moment in this game tonight to be able to multiply, to be able to kind of see as their calling card for the rest of the series. It was the beginning of the fourth quarter and a play in particular was when Malcolm Brogdon went at Caleb Martin, bodied him and made a a basket in the key. I think it was a floater. He might've got away with push a push off or maybe a little too much aggression might've got away with that. I know that players defensively can flop. Caleb Martin looked like he went down a little too easy, but regardless, if you show that kind of aggression, not out of control, not violent uh, or unnecessary contact, but if you go out aggressive and you go out with purpose and urgency, usually the refs will let physicality happen. They don't want to see grabbing and clutching. But what Malcolm Brogdon did that must be repeated for game two if the Boston Celtics want to grab that game right away by the scruff of its neck and treat Miami like a stray cat instead of treating Miami like it's it's some sort of lion uh, where you're timid and adjusting to it. No, you've got the talent. You've got the size. You've got the will and the record and the crowd behind you. You go and take what's yours. That's what Jimmy Butler does every night. And if he doesn't win playing that style, I think Eric Spolstra can live with it. He can live with it and his teammates can. And when he hit that three tonight, he sent a message to Boston. This series will be snatched away from you if you don't take it. Just a great game. Theatrics, monster shots, uh, really brilliant play, team basketball, a lot of fun. 
and, and these first two games, uh, you know, game one from each conference final has been excellent, played really well, coaches coaching at a, an elite level. And if, and if there's one area that Boston has a disadvantage, not just in this series, but in any team they play, it's with the coaching and the decision-making. Because even Darvin Ham has more experience as a player, more experience as an assistant coach and now head coach than Joe Missoula has. And I think that Joe Missoula might be losing the locker room a bit. It's possible, right? He's young. It's his first year. He was thrown into it. And they believe they had the talent. Now, I think Joe Mazzula is probably a pretty decent coach. But can he get these guys behind him? Or is Tatum going to say, guys, let's get, let's do this. Let's stop messing about. Let's stop thinking we're better than we are. Let's take the moment, seize the moment, and tie this series up and, and let momentum swing back. Let's take momentum. We'll see. It's exciting, though. It really is exciting. It's great basketball. It's a lot of fun. This is why, uh, you know, the NBA is such a great league. Um, the players are ready for it. The fans are ready. And, and we got another great one here in Boston, Miami winning 123-116. All right, y'all. Hope you caught it. Hope you get to see more games Thursday, tomorrow. Uh, Nuggets versus Lakers game two. And then this Miami series will be game two on Friday night. We will probably have a chance to talk about it sometime this weekend. Uh, but do uh, look out for a pod that will come out next week sometime. A GOAT conversation, LeBron James conversation versus Michael Jordan. It's a conversation that's been happening for a decade and Chris Jackson, Brandon Duvel, friends who have been on the pod before are going to come back again. Zion and I are going to be talking about it. I don't think there's anybody else to talk about, but we'll ask that question too. Uh, but look for that one. In the meantime, keep keep watching this brilliant basketball um, between these four great teams uh, with all kinds of talent. All right, y'all. I've said enough. Catch up to you soon. Peace. I think I don't, I don't do dreaming or money or culture. I do arts. So here's my arts. <laughs>